0: listening to the unsung lung podcast presented by Alberta Lung and Northwest Territories Welcome to the Unsung Lung podcast brought to you by Alberta Lung and Northwest Territories. You can find us online at www.ablung.ca. For our social media channels, you can see all our initiatives on Twitter and Instagram at lungabnwt and on Facebook at abnwtlung. My name is Jacob Sperling and I will be your host for this monthly podcast that is all about lung health. I am the Health Promotion Coordinator for Alberta Lung. And as the name suggests, I coordinate our programs. These vary all the way from our pediatric CPAP program, where we help babies go home from hospitals sooner than they otherwise could, to our oxygen support program, where we help people who need oxygen, but frankly, they can't afford it themselves. I'll go into more detail about all of our programs and episodes to come, and I look forward to sharing these initiatives with you. So, a little about this brand new podcast of ours. First and foremost, it will be dedicated to informing and educating you, the listener, about all things lung health. Some people have asked me, why is it called the Unsung Lung Podcast? And to be truthful, the answer is sort of complicated, but I'll try to simplify it. Lung disease is a very prevalent health condition, and there are dozens of different lung diseases. Examples include asthma, sleep apnea, lung cancer, and chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder, and these are just to name a few. In Alberta alone, 1 in 5 people, that's 20%, will struggle with lung disease in their lifetime, and yet lung diseases are so drastically underfunded in terms of research and patient supports. That is why we have decided to call this show the Unsung Lung Podcast, to call attention to the vastly underappreciated nature of lung disease in this province and the country, and, to be honest, the world, Think of us, and now you, because you are participating in this podcast just by listening, as unsung heroes for lung health. Now, as for the style of the show, it is going to be an interview based program. I'll speak to different people, all the way from those with lived experience of having lung disease and health advocates to researchers and respirologists. Each monthly episode will involve a specific area of lung health. This could be anything from radon to COPD to home oxygen therapy. We at Alberta Lung are excited to have you along for the ride, and I look forward to teaching you, but also learning a few things myself along the way. Now that we've gotten through some of the formal jibber-jabber, I'd like to introduce my first guest ever on the Unsung Lung podcast. His name is Andrew Hoskins, and he is the Senior Manager for Sleep in Edmonton, Red Deer, and Lloyd Minister at Carica Health, an organization that has respiratory clinics all across our province. The topic for this first episode in our podcast history is sleep, specifically sleep disorders related to breathing, but more generally about why sleep is so important for lung and overall health. Truthfully, Andrew is a friend of mine, and one of the reasons why I'm lucky enough to host this podcast in the first place, but I'll talk about that a little in a second. So with that, I'll say enough with the introduction and let's get right into the interview. I'd like to welcome Andrew Hoskins, registered respiratory therapist and senior manager for sleep at Carica Health as the very first guest on the Unsung Lung podcast. How's it going, Andrew?
1: Oh, it's going great. Thank you for having me on. I uh, appreciate you reaching out and having me as the first guest. I'm honored.
0: Yeah, no worries. So uh, in the introduction, I actually mentioned how You're one of the reasons why I I have been lucky enough to start this podcast, and it's because you're the host of one of my favorite podcasts. So if you want to give them a quick plug, uh, people would love to know uh, your podcast background, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we're just entering our eighth season of The Turf turf district podcast and uh, we talk all things Edmonton Elks and that's where I've started with all of my podcasting and uh, you know on the side uh, I'm a respiratory therapist so I kind of get to do both best of both worlds.
0: On the side yeah so now Andrew and I have a couple things in common we're both in the lung health industry we're both uh, I guess he's a more long-term podcaster than I but I can kind of say I'm a podcaster and we both love the Edmonton Elks so we'll start with that. Um, I, I'm perfect <laughs> yeah so uh, let's get started right into the podcast so this podcast as I mentioned in three introduction is about sleep and sleep disorders um, so I guess generally let's start with what is your role within Carica and what does the organization do
1: yeah well I'm a respiratory therapist uh, have been for 22 years and uh, I'm the manager now of in Carica and I'm in the sleep division. Our our company does sleep oxygen uh, in Calgary. We do PFTs. Um, So we have uh, kind of a wide range of of roles, uh, but my primary focus is on sleep and sleep health.
0: Perfect. Okay. So um, generally, why is sleeping so important for our overall health? And if there is a uh, specific reason, why is it important to our lung health.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it's it's important for many, many reasons. Sleep is our recharge. Um, if you think about a cell phone with a battery, uh, at the end of the day, you, you have no battery left. And so you set it on the charger, and then it refills. And that's what sleep is for a human body. We need to shut down and let the body try to recover. So things like um, healing, things like helping to with um, kind of maintaining blood pressure, things like trying to make sure that your, the hormones that balance your appetite and when you feel full, all of those things happen while you're sleeping. Uh, the body also starts to process all the right things like insulin and, and trying to process the sugars that are there to make sure all of that stuff happens while you're unaware of it and you're sleeping. On top of that, of course, it's a it's a recharge spot for your muscles to get a chance to get a a relax in. So uh, and most importantly, I guess it helps refresh your brain. So all of these things that happen while you're sleeping that we're unaware of. And uh, so many things can be affected if you're not having that continuous good sleep.
0: Right. Um, Yeah, for sure. And uh, I've also heard that you're taller in the morning after you sleep. So that's always a positive.
1: Well, especially if you're like 14, because then you can be like an inch overnight while you're sleeping. It's uh, I've seen it happen. It's amazing. Yeah.
0: Perfect. Yeah. So um, obviously, Alberta Lung is a charity and we focus on lung diseases and you specialize in those with sleep apnea specifically. So can you tell us a little about it and the health problems that come along with it?
1: Absolutely. So sleep apnea is when as you're breathing, The muscles and things relax in your upper airway, and they relax to a point where either they partially or completely block your airway. And when that happens, your oxygen level goes down. When your oxygen level goes down, the body reacts to that, so you have increased heart rate, increased blood pressure. It's a very fight or flight type response. And then, as as your oxygen, if it continues to drop, your brain says, hey, this isn't good. And so even subconsciously wakes you up enough so that you reset your airway and you're able to breathe again and your oxygen level comes back up and then you are sleeping again. Now, the problem with that is then you relax and the whole process can go over again. So the number of times that this happens through the night is how we determine whether or not you have sleep apnea or not. And the main thing that tends to be kind of linked to it is snoring and snoring can definitely play a big role. Uh, some people don't snore though. They just actually relax their airway and stop breathing. That can happen. Um, but that effect of having this up and down oxygen level throughout the night, up and down heart rate, up and down blood pressure absolutely will affect your, um, cardiac system. Uh, the other thing that happens is because when you block your airway, it creates like a negative pressure in your lung cavities, or your lung space, I should say. And that negative pressure can simulate with your heart like you have fluid overload. So then it tells your system to, you know, create more urine, then you're having to get up to go to the washroom in the middle of the night, all these kinds of things. And obviously, over a long period of time, that can affect that. The other part that can get affected is because of that change in fluid balance. And because of this constant negative pressure, it can throw off the hormones that you have at night. And so what can happen is it'll actually throw off the hormone that tells you when you're hungry. And it'll also tell you throw off the hormone that tells you when you're full. (laughs) And so people tend to eat more and it's harder to lose weight if you're not having Uh, If you're not taking care of those blockages in the airway and the fluctuating oxygen. So, um, the last thing it'll affect is diabetes. And again, that's just because of hormone production. Your insulin production can be affected uh, by this constant up and down of your oxygen and this constant fight or flight response. Um, So, all of those things link to a lot of things that are not good high blood pressure, stroke. Um, diabetes, all of these things that we regularly are like, how do we get these fixed? And a lot of that can be fixed, not entirely, but a good chunk of it can be fixed if we have a good sleep.
0: Right. Perfect. Yeah. Um, And you were saying that you, the amount of time you measure different that the episodes of slowed or stopped breathing in the night to see if someone has sleep apnea. Is it uh, true that you can have different levels of sleep apnea for in in terms of severity?
1: Absolutely. Yes. So it's, uh, here I am getting on my absolutes again. Oh, anyway, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the, uh, the the trick is with those is that we measure it. It the measure is called apnea hypopnea index, and what that is is how many times on average per hour do you either have a shallow breathing episode or a blockage episode that affects your oxygen level. So anything between zero and five times an hour is considered normal. Most of these people. You'll probably see that they have some snoring, uh, but they don't specifically have enough that they're going to feel a big effect throughout the body. Anything from 5 to 15 is considered mild. Now, I want to be careful when I say mild, because mild does not mean it doesn't need to be treated. Mild absolutely needs to be treated uh, because if you leave it untreated, it will likely get more towards the moderates and severe that we're going to talk about, but um, the mild is still, it's like when you have, (laughs) this sounds funny, but it's like when you have mild diabetes, it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean you don't treat it. You still need it treated. Right. So that's mild. Anything between 15 and 30 times an hour is considered moderate and anything greater than 30 times an hour is considered severe. So if you think about that as at, at this average, Even at a mild state, we'll say a mild state of 10. That means that basically once every six minutes, you are blocking your airway and affecting your oxygen level. Right. At a state of 30, when we're getting into severe, you are basically doing it every two minutes. And so that that's where it becomes it's more of a grading system of how much pressure are we going to need. But if you're anything over five, you're considered positive.
0: Sure. Yeah, for sure. So uh, along with uh, the health effects that can come along with sleep apnea and the the dangers to it, obviously, we have to talk about how you treat it. So how do you treat sleep apnea?
1: Well, the good thing is there's lots of treatments uh, now. (laughs) The main treatment and the gold standard treatment is definitely CPAP. So that stands for continuous positive airway pressure. And there's a bunch of different types of machines in that realm. There's ones that do a straight pressure that give you one pressure through the whole night. There are machines that set a range of pressure and basically it'll go, okay, you're having some snoring. Oh, I'll give you a little more pressure. Oh, you had a little airway block. I'll give you a little more pressure, but you've been fine for a while. I'll back the pressure off. So uh, there's a few different options in that. And basically what it is, is you wear a mask either under your nose, over your nose, or over your mouth and nose, depending on how you breathe at night. And it gives a direct pressure that splints the airway open. And that way, if it can't close, then you don't have the issue as much. So a lot of these people during the day, when you talk to them, they don't have any oxygen issues right? If they're breathing, <laughs> they're fine. It's only when that airway closes that they need the help. So the CPAP gives that pressure to keep the airway open and that keeps their oxygen level normal and good through the night. There is also a, an option of doing a dental appliance. And a dental appliance is something where you it has to be specifically made for each patient, usually by a dentist, and it shifts the bottom jaw forward, to open up that back uh, upper airway. Now, these ones are more, there's better proof, I guess, in them working in your snoring and your mild type of OSA patients. It does work for some moderate and severe. And if you truly couldn't tolerate CPAP, then maybe the dental appliance would be an option for those moderate or severes but the likelihood of them coming down to a point where we get them below that five for an AHI is a little less as compared to a CPAP.
0: Right, for sure. And I guess because they're a little bit more invasive, um, is it worth it? We've had a few clients coming in and asking us at Alberta lung if it's worth the hassle of having a CPAP machine and if the health benefits will actually be worth it because the CPAP machine makes a little noise. It's obviously cumbersome on the face. So is, would you think that it's recommended for absolutely everybody and, and only if you can't tolerate it at all, you shouldn't, you shouldn't use it.
1: That's my feeling. Now, my, the thing is, is CPAP has come a long way. Um, like I said, I've been a respiratory therapist for 20 years. And I I remember the first pictures of a CPAP that I saw, and it was uh, medieval. (laughs) That's (laughs) probably the best word that I could use. Um, And, but but it worked. The therapy Mm -hmm. worked. That's the trick. We saw people with decreases in their blood pressure. We saw people with being able to to control their insulin levels. We saw people who aren't having to get up in the middle of the night to go to the washroom and all of these benefits, these um, you know, cardiac benefits that we were seeing that I mean that's huge. So is it worth it? Yes. The thing is is now I would really look into the differences from where it was even 10 years ago. I myself have worn CPAP for almost 20 years. And my first machine sounded like a vacuum cleaner. It was (laughs) loud and I put my mask on and everybody would make fun of me. Oh, you're Darth Vader. And no, okay, it's all fine, right? The machines now, they take up such a small footprint on your uh, nightstand. And they're so quiet to the point where it doesn't sound, actually, it's probably even less sound than what it would be If a person beside you was sleeping beside you, they would just hear your breathing. Mm -hmm. It's about the exact same. So you're not really getting any extra noise than you would as if they were just sleeping beside you. Um, The other part is, is the mask interfaces have come so far where they're so minimalized and they really don't touch a lot of your face. Um, but still deliver the proper pressure to treat you. Uh, a number of patients I've started in the last couple of years. The first thing they say when I I turn on the machine and then I put their mask on to try it, they they go, "This is this is a lot easier than I expected. It's mm-hmm. it's quieter, and actually, it's not really that uncomfortable." And because they've listened to all of those things, all of those complaints you just mentioned. And adapted the masks and things to make it better for them.
0: Right. So, I guess my next question in relation to that is kind of obsolete now because it was revolving around how to sleep with a partner who's using a CPAP machine. So, I guess this comes back to uh, the the myth that CPAP machines sound like lawnmowers. It's not really true. It, do you still have clients that say I can't sleep with my partner because he or she is on a CPAP machine and it's just too loud, or um, and, and is there ways around that or is that not really a problem anymore?
1: It's not as much a problem as it once was. I mean, there are some that are definitely sensitive to sound and and we do hear that every now and again, but it's much more rare these days. More often what we hear is the, the bed partner is saying, well, I wake up in a panic because I don't hear him snoring. I, I wake, I, I don't know if he's breathing, but but uh, yes he is <laughs> you know because he's finally breathing the right way yeah. um but it we hear more of that side of the story and there was a study done i believe it was about 2011 that talked about the benefit of if somebody has osa and they are using cpap the benefit to the bed partner getting sleep is almost as beneficial as it is for the person on cpap <laughs> so it's it's a it's it's a game changer and and i think again we're talking 10 or 15 years ago there was definitely oh okay your bed partner's got to you know maybe do earplugs or those types of things but we've come to a point now where it's almost the same as if the person was just breathing beside you
0: right yeah that's really good to know because i know me personally i think i only know the myth that cpap machines are loud and cumbersome so if we have to start getting the the news out there that they're not really that bad and that actually the health benefits compared to having to wear a mask every night is is incredibly uh, important to know and that like it's it's so much more important to to use these machines than not right
1: oh absolutely and i think now you've got like the, one of our favorite masks right now, it ha- just sits kind of underneath the nose and the hose actually attaches on the top of the head. Mm-hmm. And so that keeps uh, another myth with CPAP is that the hose gets wrapped around you and then you can't get comfortable. Well, the hose now is off the top of your head and over your head. It's out of the way completely. And right. you can turn whichever way you want. And the mask just goes with you, lightweight mask, quiet, and you just go to sleep. So. um yeah, it, it's come a massive way. And and again, being a patient,
0: I can tell you it's massive different. For sure. Yeah. So I guess with CPAP uh, helping with sleep apnea, and you mentioned earlier how there's dental appliances for people that can't use it. How, how would you say that we can use uh, if, if CPAP isn't for me, what are the, is there any alternative besides a dental appliance or is CPAP and a dental appliance really the only things on the market now?
1: Well, CPAP and dental appliance are the main two right now. Um, if you do fall into the snoring category, like below five uh, for an or if you fit into that mild territory of five to 15, there is actually a brand new device that is just out on the market. Uh, it's a neuromuscular electrical stimulator for the tongue. Now, when I say that, lots of people are thinking, I'm not putting electricity in my mouth. You're nuts. But uh, the best way I can explain it is to uh, describe it as like Dr. Hose for your tongue. And so what happens is it's a 20 minute during the day treatment. So it's not oh. something you have to wear at night. And you put this in. And it stimulates the tongue and basically turns some of the lazy muscle fibers into active muscle fibers. And what that does is helps to bring your tongue forward so that it opens up the upper airway. They've had some really good success with snoring and with mild patients, Uh, nothing yet on the moderate and severe side, but I think they're working towards that. Uh, So in the moderate and severe, it's basically CPAP or dental appliance. Uh, But I think this new one, which is called ExciteOSA, I think we're going to see more of that in your milds and snores in the next little bit
0: yeah that's really interesting so is that a machine or product uh, that you can take home and do at home it's not something that you have to go into the doctor every day to do or is it is it still that? right? okay yeah so you- it's,
1: it's it's a little device that you take uh, you take home uh, you buy it and you take it home and then you the only thing you have to replace is the mouthpiece every three months because you got to make sure that it's zapping you properly. I hate to say it that way, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, And uh, so you got to replace that, but yeah, it's a, it's one that you buy. And then the first six weeks you use it every day for 20 minutes. And then after that, you go on kind of a maintenance program where it's two or three times a week for 20 minutes. And it's all built in with an app that controls everything for you and controls intensities and all those types of things. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's having some great success on those, uh, those snorers people for sure. Yeah, that's that, very Which is great because we never had an option for them before. When you right. were snoring, it was like, well, you don't have sleep apnea. So
0: Right. They were, in, they were in the gray area. Hey, uh,
1: right. So we'll wait and see if you get worse and then we'll go from there. You know, but, uh, but snorers that that can affect them too. Right. So yeah. they may only be stopping two or three times an hour. That may be enough to make them feel tired during the day.
0: Right. And so this
1: may be a solution.
0: Right. That's really cool because it's not obtrusive at all when you're sleeping because it's during the day. So, correct. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's very interesting. So along with all these questions is, I guess, one of the most important, can sleep apnea ever be cured or is it with the person for life? And I guess you've kind of mentioned that you're a CPAP user for 20 years, so that kind of answers the question, but is there maybe for mild cases, is there a possibility to cure it? And maybe with this new apparatus that you just discussed, or is it kind of, it's going to be an issue and something that needs attention for the rest of your life?
1: Yeah. Right now there is nothing that is curative. Um, right now it is definitely a, a mechanical solution to an issue. So a mechanical therapy of some kind. So whether it's CPAP, whether it's a dental appliance, whether it's excite OSA, any of those things, um, basically if you, if you stop using it, you go back to having the problem right, right. now. Um, now in the past there has been a number of things as far as you know surgeries to the upper airway to try and open things up and they did have some limited success but what we were finding is about 10 or 15 years later the person would go back to snoring and then they'd try CPAP and because they had a bunch of scar tissue from the surgery it was always less comfortable and we mm-hmm. ran into a lot of other issues so so there hasn't any hasn't been anything that's been discovered that is curative right. um but there's definitely therapies that can help. And you just have to keep on with those therapies. And I don't want to say it'll it'll never be cured because we never know. With the advancement, even in the last 10 or 15 years, 15 years from now, do they have something else that would cure it? Possibly. But at this moment, it's still pretty much therapy driven.
0: Right. And and from how, I don't know if this is a word, but unobtrusive it is. And for how, how much CPAP has come along, it it kind of... I don't want to say it doesn't matter that it can't be cured, but because the treatments are so well done nowadays and, and the technology has come so far, it almost, it almost doesn't matter because you can get that full night's rest with this, with this really beneficial equipment.
1: Absolutely. There is a solution. That's the, that's the trick, right? And the solution isn't everybody's favorite solution up front, but no. once you kind of get used to it, then it's like, wow, I I feel weird if I don't wear it. Right. and one of my favorite stories, if you can indulge me for a second, Absolutely. is I had a lady that came in and, and did a, a sleep study with us. And, and one of her big things was, cause we have a questionnaire that they fill out and her big thing was, well, I it was like, you, you asked me if I fall asleep in front of a TV. She's like, like, I've never seen the end of a movie ever. <laughs> like I, like <laughs> I, I just fall asleep. And so we had a bit of a laugh about it and she was positive. We got her set up on therapy. And uh, I remember at her, her three week follow-up appointment that we had her back in for. And uh, she was so excited. She's like, I watched a whole movie last night. (laughs) I am never getting off this therapy because it was amazing. I can, I feel like I I got my life back and it's little things like that, that yes, there is some, obviously some training that goes into being on the therapy but once you've been there and you realize wow my sleep is that much better then then you just keep
0: going with it right it doesn't just affect your your yourself at night as people might think like it's a i can't get to sleep uh, my, my partner can't sleep because i snore well it also has insane health benefits and and how you'll be able to you'll be able to be more active during the day and and do more of your hobbies and stuff without passing out like in the story you just said
1: <laughs> well just feeling awake yes. uh i i had a uh what other story i had a doctor that i tested a while ago and uh he filled in the questionnaire he's like not tired not tired like mm-hmm. zero no no issues um came back severe sleep apnea hmm and he's like, well, my wife does say I snore. Okay. So we put him on therapy and uh, at the at two weeks, I called him and said, Hey, how, like, how are you doing? He's like, Oh, I'm kind of getting used to it. You know, it's, it's getting better. I gotta, you know, I work through it every night. And then a week later he called me and he's like, I have to redo my initial assessment. I had no idea how tired I was because now I realize I'm not tired. Right. And even just that is a huge thing for a lot of people to get through their day. Right.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, perfect. That's, I think that's really great information on sleep apnea and hopefully the podcast gets out to a lot of people and helps people see that they, it won't completely wreck their lives because they have to get a <laughs> dental appliance or a CPAP <laughs> machine. Right. So. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. That would be good.
0: Yeah. yeah that's great. So let's land off on a more general note for our listeners who maybe don't have sleep apnea, but, they can't get to bed fast or, or they don't have a very restful sleep. So how can you get uh, a better night's sleep and maybe get to bed faster? That's, that's not counting sheep above, above you. (laughs) (laughs) Counting sheep. That's, that's
1: the tried and true method. Um, But no, you know what? Uh, There's little things when we talk about sleep hygiene, which is your, your nighttime routine, Uh, you know, don't drink caffeine four hours before you're going to bed or within four hours, you know? Right. Sure. Uh, turn off your blue screen. You know, uh, it's really hard uh, as a society right now, you, you get into bed and you stare at your phone for half an hour and catch up on things before you go to bed. Best practice is to not have that in front of you for an hour read or, or just, meditate and relax before you're going to sleep. These are little things. Uh, uh, nicotine as well can obviously play a huge role. Uh, you want to not have those within two hours of going to sleep. Yep. Uh, the, the main thing I will say though, is try and get a routine, sure. a routine that tells your body it's time for sleep. So whether that's you turn off your phone and you read a chapter of a book Um, you know, you, then you, you know, you go to the washroom, you brush your teeth, you get changed, you turn off your lights, you get into your bed, you lie down and you, whether it's meditate or you, maybe you do finish another chapter of a book or something, but something that gives your body the indication that, okay, the lights are going to go out and it's time for me to go to sleep. That's really important. Um, If you're still having problems, then you may be looking at some type of an insomnia picture. And there are programs that can definitely help with those things. And it helps you with setting this routine. It helps you with following a routine at the end of the night and following the sleep hygiene so that you can get better sleep, not only to start, but to stay asleep throughout the night.
0: Right. Perfect. Yeah. That's really good. I think it fits cause we as humans, we, we run on our circadian rhythm, right? So fitting a routine within our overall body's routine is, it just makes perfect sense.
1: Well, and so many people now, just because of the way that society works are, well, yeah, I'll get sleep when I get there and I'm just going to jump into bed and, Oh, I I just need to get a quick six hours because then I need to get back up and do these next things. Um, it's, really hard to continue to have great sleep when that's the routine that you have so again just setting it up a little bit then your body's like oh great sleep time and for me on cpap part of my routine is just putting my mask on now it's almost pavlovian you put the mask on and my body says oh sleep time and (laughs) away we go and uh so you know having
0: those routines is a big deal right perfect yeah those are some Really, get, really great tips and tricks. So thank you for that, Andrew. And uh, before we end the interview, why don't you tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you and Carica, Carica Health and uh, about just about sleep disorders and CPAP machines in general.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Carica Health, we have uh, 20, 24 sleep locations across Western Canada. Um, and in Alberta, we have five, six, seven, eight eight locations. Uh, So you can look us up at uh, caricahealth.com for all of our locations. Uh, You can call in and uh, of course, you can speak to your doctor too. Uh, They will have our referral forms. They can send you in. We can do a sleep study, uh, which we do at no charge and gives an ability to see where are you at in the scale of obstructive sleep apnea. And uh, no matter where you are, if you're having some sleeping problems, we can find a way to a solution to help you out.
0: Awesome, well, perfect. Now, I guess with that, we'll call the interview over. And I'd just like to thank Andrew again for being the first guest ever on the Unsung Lung Podcast. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me. Perfect, so with that, I'll send it to the outro thanks again to Andrew Hoskins of Carica Health for being the first guest ever on our new podcast. Just a couple takeaways from the interview. I think one of the bigger things that I learned is actually how easy CPAP machines are to use and, and how valuable they are to our health if you suffer from sleep apnea. I have actually worked with CPAP machines quite a bit uh, since I've started here at Alberta Lung and. I, I bought into the myth that they're a little overbearing and you can't sleep with them very easily so it's great to know that I can tell people that uh, it's really worth it to, to get a CPAP machine if if you suffer from obstructive sleep apnea. As well I think that Andrew's advice of getting in a routine before bed is so important. You, you often hear the myths about take this pill, drink this tea and, and all that stuff but when it comes down to it, if it's as easy as getting in routine, why not try it? It, it? it could help. I know that I myself read a book before bed. Sometimes I'll listen to a particular podcast and, and that signals to my brain, hey, it's bedtime. So I think that something as easy as getting in a regular routine can be really important to our overall sleep health. So thank you for listening to this first episode ever of the Unsung Lung Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our programs and initiatives offered by Alberta Lung, you can visit www.ablung.ca and follow us on all our social media channels. Twitter and Instagram are at lungabnwt, all one word, and on Facebook at abnwtlung. For more information specifically on the Unsung Lung podcast, please visit www.ablung.ca. Forward slash unsung lung. There you can find all the links to each episode and a survey. If you'd like to recommend topics for future episodes, there's space to do so there. You can find us on all your podcast streaming services like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Podbean app, Amazon Music, TuneIn, and Amazon Alexa, iHeartRadio, and Player FM. If you'd like to support the Unsung Lung podcast directly you can visit That's com forward slash unsung lung to become a patron and allow our show to become bigger and better. I'll be sure to put the link in the show notes for anyone who's interested. Remember to stay locked to our channel for next month's podcast. We're working on a topic right now and I can guarantee you that it will be an exciting and informative one. So with that... On behalf of all of us at Alberta Lung, I'll conclude this first ever Unsung Lung Podcast with our motto, just remember to breathe.